Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gautier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents. I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Hello, Erin. Hello, Chelsea. Hello. We are so excited to have you here. You don't know how excited we are. (laughs) We've been talking about this for weeks. (laughs) Awesome. So we both have so many questions. I have I have pages and pages of questions here. But I always just love kind of by hearing your origin story. I know that you have heroes pet store. I know that you're involved with Parsley Pet, with Solutions, and with the Food Regulation Facts Alliance. And so I just want to hear how this all came about. Like, how how did you first get involved in the pet industry? Tell us your story. All right. Um, Try to consolidate 20 years into (laughs) as little as I can. So I started out, actually, I was living on a ranch with two chimps and a African lion (laughs) that wasn't working out. And I, that was in California and I moved back to Colorado just as my sister was leaving the state and she had been working at a pet supply store and she was like, you know, the only person that I know that can replace my nutritional knowledge in pet food is my sister. So you need to give her my job. So I just took over my sister's job And it happened to coincide with me having a lot of my own health issues at the time. I had been in a car accident for some reason. I ended up with really bad kidney problems from it, which we never figured out the correlation. Um, But there was something there. And I ended up just giving up on doctors because of that experience and how poorly it was going with trying to get answers. And, uh, you know, the research that you get to do when you work in a pet supply store is just so fantastic because in addition to whatever your curiosities are, you also have the benefit of like other people coming in and saying, hey, I have this problem. What do I do? And in the beginning, you're like, I don't know. Let me find out. (laughs) So just constantly doing research. Um, I opened my own retail store within about seven years. I think it was seven years after getting into the pet industry. So it was in 2007, right before the economy crashed, but it was right after the melamine thing happened. So we ended up growing really fast. A little bit prior to that, I had actually worked at a distribution company for like holistic pet supplies. So it was my job to educate the retailers in the area about more natural things. And I learned who not to trust (laughs) through that. So when I opened Heroes Pets, I really had the goal of having higher standards and uh, focusing a lot more on like ecologically conscious things and companies that can validate their claims. So that took me you know, a long ways and really got me into fresh feeding and raw foods. 
Um, there was a point where I started to feel a little bit of burnout on that. And I just needed to not be stuck in the, the box of a retail store all the time. So I started attending all of the regulatory meetings, the AFCO meetings, and that blew my mind, <laughs> the, the whole behind the scenes thing. So that's where I started Food Regulation Facts Alliance. And in doing that, I don't actually remember exactly how it happened, but somehow I ended up getting involved with Karen and Rodney uh, in the Know Your Pet Food Project, which was all about laboratory testing of popular brands to identify toxin load and contaminants as well as nutrients in well-known foods. And that got me really interested in laboratory data and validation. So then when I learned about the potential of being able to buy Parsley Pet, which is a mineral and heavy metal uptake analysis test for tissues, I was like, I need all that data. <laughs> like, I want to know what are the trends that prove or disprove what we believe to be true about the effects of different types of diets on pets. I want to know if you're feeding a raw food and it's formulated to be complete and balanced, how much of a difference does that make versus you just giving fresh food versus giving kibble versus giving, you know, any number of things. So I just love being able to dig into all of that information and always getting more information and learning more. And with Solutions Pet Products being the newest one, uh, actually a couple years ago, I was asked if I would ever want to have my own manufacturing company. And the answer was a very emphatic, heck no, <laughs> no interest whatsoever. Uh, but the reality is the thing that's most important to me in the whole world is like fairness and equality and helping things to be better for the world, like helping to make sure that everybody has the knowledge that they need to be able to make good decisions and access the best things that are available. And the people that I align with the most that I feel like are perpetuating fairness and transparency and quality and just doing everything right got really wrapped up in this legal battle. And I had to make a choice between biting the bullet and doing the extra work to make sure that these people that stood for everything that I believe in stayed in the industry and maintained a structure versus me not doing the work <laughs> and, and uh, continuing to be like, nope, I'm, I'm good. And so bit the bullet and here we are. Now I have a, a pet food company as well. <laughs> Well, that's an amazing story. I know. I'm like so excited and happy. Erin, I cheated and called her earlier today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can wait. I had questions. <laughs> and so, so one of the things that, you know, I am seeing, which is so exciting because your um, trajectory for solutions was so rapid, at least for me, it was. Mm -hmm. It was like, it felt like a year ago, I was hearing about the fact that there was going to be a solutions, you know, and, um, and then all of a sudden, 
people were talking about, oh, well, I got this and I'm trying this. You, Aaron, I got super jealous because you got it way before me. And and then one day I went to the store, our pet store, and there was a whole little shelf filled, well, actually two shelves in a freezer, half the freezer filled with all of your products. How hard was it for you to hit the market? Because the thing that was so nerve wracking for me was Cure was here and then it was gone. And it felt like we weren't going to see anything similar for years, whereas I think we were basically down for maybe a year. And then you came in and provided us with this great product that people are so excited about. People are giving rave reviews about and about how well their dogs are doing on your products. Um, what was that like? How were you able to do that so quickly, or at least for us, it seems mm-hmm. so quickly? So we committed to starting the company in about December of last year, and we started talking about it, I believe, in about March. So uh, even shorter timeline, actually, than yeah. thinking. And, you know, I have a leg up, and then I had a, a couple things that I just had to figure out, uh, and we as a team had to figure out. So it, Heroes Pets... Since the inception of Answers Pet Food, to my knowledge, that store has actually been the number one retailer in the country by far. So I have a ton of experience in selling raw foods, feeding raw foods, like all of the the pros and cons and where things do work and don't work and all of those details. And, you know, for all of the years that we were selling that product line, we had to come up with ways to resolve things that didn't work perfectly. And with having solutions, it was really easy for me to be like, cool, now I can just incorporate these things directly into what we're already doing. So people don't actually have to deal with these other issues that we were having, which primarily are things like, you know, feeding the correct amount, making sure that it's really nutrient dense And also the occasional dog, like not holding weight properly when they're eating the right amount. So adding in a chia seed, but then optimizing that by doing a fresh sprouted chia seed, things like that was really able to just be like, these are all of the ideas that I've had for a long time. And we've just been doing them by having multiple different products incorporated in. So in that sense, you know, with my background in doing um, uh, just the development of different diets and doing laboratory testing and the background knowledge. I think that I was way ahead of the game. So it was pretty easy to do things. Um, The lineup of products in large part was by, by force in a sense, you know, again, I really wanted to be able to support these amazing people, but these amazing people were also under this ridiculous injunction and limited in the things that they could participate in. So I utilized that list of things that they couldn't do. And I'm like, well, then if they can't do this, what can they do? Well, they can do these things. So I just came up with a creative list of like, if you can't do just straight goat milk, then you could do goat nog, you could do, you know, a tea, things like that. So the hardest part of it was that most of those people were not able to participate until just recently. So 
I had to just lean on the knowledge that I already had from them, from just years of interacting with them and years of interacting with the the industry. And then I had a break from being able to have those conversations from them, which was the hardest timeline ever, because it was the time that I really needed the information. But um, just being able to have had those closer relationships in the past, I think made all the difference. So the level of hard, I can't even explain like hard's not even the right word. (laughs) And it's exhausting. But I also have a fantastic team of people that have just been, uh, you know, with increasing levels of passion about the whole thing, as people have incorporated in. And in my opinion, there's nothing more important than passion. So how important to you is sourcing and where your products are are coming from? And did you already have uh, standing relationships with those sources or did you have to go out and find those yourself? A little bit of both. So sourcing, in my opinion, is really the be all end all of whether or not a product is a good product. And, you know, that I would say in large part stems from learning about regulation and learning how poor the quality can get in the pet food industry and wanting to have the polar opposite of of all of that. You know, I, I think that even for humans, of course, you can have an apple and it's healthy, but there's different tiers of quality of that apple and one of them could damage your health and another one wouldn't. So sourcing is really paramount. So um, some of the sources we already had access to, like the goat farms themselves that were not... I think I met some of your goats over the summer. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. And those farmers, you know, they, they're fantastic and they have such great sourcing and they all are kind of networked with each other. So it was pretty easy to access them. But finding really good regenerative meat farmers and things, we had to reach out to some of the other places that uh, that I already have connections with, like uh, Dr. Natasha Lilly. She's in California and her, Steve Brown and Erica Gibbs, they're all working on the Rhizobiotics Project and they are working with a regenerative farmers community. So I was able to reach out to Natasha and be like, hey, can you get me in touch with all of your regenerative farmers? Sure. <laughs> so I was fortunate that I know people that know people, but it was still a lot of effort to find as many as we need. And so what is your definition of regenerative farming practices? So a huge focus on soil health more than anything, making sure that you're taking care of Mother Earth and nature because it doesn't matter as much how the animals are cared for if what the animals are living on is not cared for as well. So step one, caring for the land, polyculture farms, making sure that they're not killing things off in order to have other things that are benefiting, you know, working the land symbiotically with everything else. And then in addition to that, focusing on the health of the animals, having species appropriate diets, having only one bad day, making sure that they're happy and healthy from beginning to end. I have your website open too. So I'm just like um, looking at all the different things. So with the, and let's just skip ahead um, to the jiggles. 
and this is like a big question for me, is because it doesn't jiggle. So why why is it called jiggles? Mm-hmm. Is it just because of the gelatin and gel? Because it's funny because okay, now I'm I'm all over the place. When I first started making bone broth, it took me a long time for me to get bone broth that was like the gelatin that everyone was showing online. And I was convinced that all my bone broth was just a fail, but I wasn't going to throw it away because it's like, you know, you guys are going to eat this anyway. But then later on, I found out that it's just as good. Um, it's okay. So why doesn't yours, why isn't it mm-hmm. a gelatin? So the fish, it's just not really possible to use fish and make it into something that is jiggly. The chicken and the pork often will be jiggly. And if it's not super jiggly in a specific batch, the difference is between like bone broth and gelatin. You're still using bones in both of them. But with bone broth, you're focusing on bones and you're focusing on what you can get out of those. With gelatin, you're focusing on skin. And skin has all of the components of the tissue matrix. So like I always say, if you have a skyscraper that you're trying to maintain, which we could relate to any kind of tissue, the heart, the joints, the digestive tract, you name it. If you are only using cement and rebar to support that structure, those are very important, but you're missing all of the other things that you need for that structure to really be complete. So glucosamine and chondritin are just not sufficient in the realm of supporting the whole structure. So with the bone broth, you're getting a lot of minerals, but you're not necessarily getting as many amino acids and the other constituents. So the focus that we have that's different than bone broth is that we're we're looking at skin and that's ultimately what makes it a gelatin product. Okay. See, now I feel so much better because I tried to make um, fish bone broth mm-hmm. and was convinced because I saw online someone did it and it was gelatin and I was just like, why didn't mine? Tr-? And I figured I ruined it, but my dogs mm-hmm. ate it and they liked it just fine. So <laughs> now I feel like so much better about that. <laughs> so I love that, you know, you have these different formulas of the goat milks, the cheese products and the herbal formulas. And I can tell that like a lot of thought went into, you know, creating like what went into them, like the urinary tract. I have that in my kitchen right now. My perpenny has been dealing with a UTI situation for the last month. Uh, you know, were you involved in formulating them? Did you bring other people in who are more like master herbalists? Like how, how did all those come about? Yeah. Well, the history of the herbal blends is actually pretty interesting. Um, about 10 years ago at Heroes, we like we still we don't advertise. We've never advertised. And so everybody that was coming in was a referral. And it was always like my vet told me to euthanize my dog today and I don't want to do it. What do I do? So, you know, it was like not just the simple let me tell you what to feed conversation was also looking at supplements as well. And in most cases, I was finding myself trying to get people to buy 10 different supplements and they would only take one. I'm like, I'm not actually trying to sell you 10 things. Like these 10 things are the things that you need. And you just couldn't get people to buy what they actually needed. And even if they did, they wouldn't use them all because it was too complicated. So just not affordable, just all of a mess. So everywhere that there was a hole where I needed things to be consolidated so that people could afford it and wouldn't have a headache at every single meal for their pet trying to use it, I just made something. (laughs) So it was like, uh, you know, 
really like the perfection of what I needed with the exception, of course, like we don't do anything liquidy with uh, supplements like ubiquinol as an example. So there are occasions where you might want to buy maybe two things or couple it with something like the jiggles. But um, with those, I did formulate all of the herbal blends and I've had about 10 years to modify them and get information from vets and even just customers and get feedback on them and optimize them. So that's the history of those. And I was really glad to be able to say, you know, now I know exactly what the sourcing is. I can see the lab reports of each individual ingredient before they're even shipped. So I can be sure that they're really clean of, you know, heavy metals and things like that. And there's not any fillers in there. And I don't have to question that. Like if there's something that's less than 2% of a total product in the product, you don't have to put it on the label. And I'm like, well, what if you have 10 things that are less than 2%? Then how much of this product is junk? (laughs) So I can know confidently there's nothing else in these things and feel really good about them. Yeah. I've found that that's so unique about your product line is I have never seen anything where different foods were, are used to treat different things. I mean, of course there's things like, okay, well, you're going to do raw goat's milk. It's great for the immune system. It's great for gut health. You know, um, bone broth is great for joint health. It's great for skin and coat health, but those are very generic things. And you can try all kinds of things that also support those things. So ultimately as a raw feeder, I find myself giving my dogs a bunch of different foods or supplements that all cover the same thing. Nothing is actually narrow narrowing in on one issue. And when I was, you know, basically um, cooling off the pet store, as I stood in the freezer, looking at everything, trying to figure out what I was going to buy, I was going back and forth between the cheeses because I thought it was just, oh, there's cheese. And then I noticed, oh my gosh, these cheeses cover different things. Mm -hmm. And so is the reason why you did that is because of your history of creating blends for people or... Um, was there anything else that just, are you seeing that hole in the market as well? Because I'm surprised that after all this time, no one has thought to come up with something like this. Yeah, I think a large part of it is filling holes in the market. When it comes to the food stuff, I am very much a purist. So the, just the way that I see products in general (laughs) is no matter what your sourcing is on something that goes through a lot of processing that's man-made there's so much that people don't know and despite the amount of research that we've done you know there was actually a scenario where humans scientists they made a bee pollen using every known constituent of bee pollen. And then when it it was synthetic, of course, and then when they fed it to bees, they died, which just proves there's so much that we don't know, (laughs) like things that we've never even identified before. So I am very much anti synthetics and anti let's let man process it and say that it's good for these things. Like we don't know that, that one thing that they isolated is good. Maybe it was that one thing because of 10 things that we never identified. So being able to make a broad line of things that were depending on nature for those supplemental values 
rather than depending on man and trying to get that symbiotic benefit and trying to just cover more bases for people. And, you know, especially like inflammation in the cheese, the, the yucca that's in there, most pets and people have some level of inflammation. So that's a really valuable thing. In addition to having the cheese and the the micronutrients that are in a basically a concentrated milk product, you know, each one of them, I just see so many people struggling with these issues that I felt like, you know, more bang for your buck. And there's so many benefits to the different herbs that are in each one of them that I wanted to be able to provide those. Yeah. So how do you pronounce the cheese? Dough. <laughs> Dough. Okay. Yeah. And so what um, what is the process that's involved in that? And by the way, from an end user consumer perspective, I really like having the block so that then I can chop it up into the sizes that I want. Yeah. <laughs> and also it hasn't dried out or anything or crumbled on me yet. So that's been exciting also. Yeah. I had to make some big choices on that one. I definitely prefer to be plastic free and we are with everything else, but the user experience of a block where you can keep it fresher was really important to me. So that's the one place where we use some plastic. Um, but the process of making those is what you're asking. Yeah. That, that, uh, that makes it the dough. Yeah. So, um, the ultimate thing with it being dough rather than just a basic cheese is that it's a soft cheese formula. So it's an ancient Persian recipe where, We, just to make it more user-friendly for pets, remove more moisture and make it into a soft cheese, but it's still basically like a yogurt-based recipe consolidated down into a cheese and then with the herbs added. And those are made by one guy out in Pennsylvania. He's fantastic and just is like the ultimate cheese master. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really excited to try the food. That's the the one thing I haven't ha- haven't made it to my stores yet, and uh, I really liked what you had shared, uh, or you know, solutions had had shared on online about formulating them. You have the benefit of being able to look at the parsley pet trends and reports and see what are common nutrient deficiencies. And so you have formulated your foods to make up for those. Am I understanding that right? Yes. So I just wanted to be like brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) And and can you tell us about that whole, whole process? Uh, yeah, from comparing parsley pet and then bringing that information over into formulation with a raw food. Um, most importantly, There are just a couple of things like the majority of raw fed dogs are fairly low in iron and probably a part of that is because iron levels are too high in the standard kibble fed pet. So I think it's an overinflated number, but it's still fairly low. So in my opinion, iron supplementation just as iron is super toxic and dangerous. Like I would never recommend doing that. And I wouldn't be willing to add an iron supplement directly into the food because I think it could be damaging. But what we can do is formulate to focus more on ingredients that will help to boost that a little bit. Uh, With fermented foods, I've seen some cases uh, recently where 
the sodium levels are really high. So if you're formulating a basic diet to meet the minimum sodium requirements, and then you're also formulating with fermented ingredients that have salt in them, and you're not accounting for all of that salt, and you're mixing those together, then you could get really high sodium levels, which are then going to push the potassium levels down. So making sure that every single grain of salt is accounted for from every aspect of every part of the recipe is really important. And then working to elevate the potassium to help to balance that out, like those kinds of things are really taken into consideration. And they're honestly, they're not things that I ever even would have thought of had I have not um, seen all of the parsley pet results and done all of that analysis. Were, Were there any other nutrients that you saw that were a little off? as trending? Yeah, it's fairly common for calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus to have poor ratios. And that is kind of dependent on whether it's like a DIY diet or the amount of bone that's being added into a commercial diet. Those can get a little bit wonky. Um, Cobalt levels, if those drop, that's an indicator that there's a vitamin B12 absorption issue which often is associated with some kind of digestive dysfunction. So adding in some gelatin into each one of the recipes helps with healing the digestive tract and then coupling that with the optimized absorption from the cultures and the fermentation helps to improve that. Uh, Also, whey is one of the only uh, protein sources where it's 100% bioavailable. So if you have a pet that's not doing a good job of absorbing their foods, having something with whey in it just by itself can actually really help to improve their nutritional status. And so I saw that, you know, a lot of people look at uh, raw ratios as like the 80-10-10, but it looked like yours were actually formulated with higher organ uh, meats. Is that right? Yes, very much. Um, I have yet to see a single parsley pet test come back with a pet that's eating 80-10-10 that doesn't have mostly deficiencies all the way across the board. So in doing formulation to identify the specific micronutrient levels on a full profile of food, I just can't even get it even close to the required minerals on anything with that ratio. So you just have to bump up the organ content. Um, In my experience, the lowest that you can do an organ and still meet the nutritional levels that you need is 25%. Is that very rich? Like, would that cause a a dog to have like any digestive issues for the first time? In my experience, the number one reason that a dog's going to get digestive issues is because you overfeed them. So we really focus on teaching to feeding the right number of calories for your pet, which also helps with your budget, makes solutions a super affordable food. But if you are giving too much, then absolutely, you're probably going to end up having a long night. (laughs) That's interesting. So it's like, basically, if people are feeding solutions, they'll probably find themselves feeding less than what they would feed with other brands or even DIY. Yeah. um, The majority of the raw foods that are commercially available, or if you're formulating at home, they average about 40 calories an ounce in solutions. 
is 70 calories an ounce. And then if you modify that to account for the increased absorption because of the fermentation and cultures, we recommend calculating it at 88 calories an ounce. So you're usually feeding less than half, which again is way better for your budget. (laughs) Now I'm excited. I want to give this a try. (laughs) (laughs) We have a really comprehensive feeding calculator on the website I have actually tried for years to get other companies to put that calculator on their website and everybody said it's not possible. So I'm pretty proud of it. (laughs) I'll make sure we have a link in the show notes. Yeah, it will account for your dog's or cat's specific metabolism. So you put in their weight, age, activity level, current body composition, um, whether or not they're spayed or neutered, like it takes all different things into account and it will adjust for each one of those things and tell you how much you should be feeding each day. And then if you're using solutions, then you can continue to calculate all the way to the bottom and it will tell you how many days the specific package that you purchased will last, how many ounces or cups to wow. feed each day and the cost over the course of 30 days to use that product. And then there's blogs listed on the right of that. If you want to learn to do that math with the other products that you're using, it's spelled out in detail exactly how to do that. So if you do a comparison with almost any other raw brand that's out there, even though Solutions is 30-ish percent more expensive per pound, it actually ends up being usually about 30% less expensive to feed. And one thing I do want to mention you know, I've had a lot of people bring up the price and realistically, like we're not charging more than any other company is charging. Like as far as the amount that we're making, it's the same as all of the other tiny companies that are also struggling because they, they can't really charge more. They're just trying to make a good product. This is how much a product of this quality should cost. Like if you don't have it costing this much, there's something that has a corner cut somewhere, Mm -hmm. like maybe multiple things. I don't know, but this is just what it costs to feed that level of quality. And the way that we compensate for that and make it affordable anyway is by concentrating the nutrient density so that you feed less so that it's still reasonable, even for somebody that doesn't have a big budget. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I looked at it like it's a best of the best kind of situation. And if you want to feed the best of the best, that's what it costs, you know? Exactly. And and the thing about it is I get, there's so many aspects when it comes to the pricing, there's the economy, there's the prices of things going up and not just meat, but just shipping and um, so many different things. Uh, I mean, I assume like even your packaging, the cost of every little thing has gone up so Mm -hmm. much. I mean, we, I think it was, I don't remember when it was, but we replaced our um, septic pump. That was this past spring and it cost over $3,000. And the guy who came and replaced it told me that if we had done it like six to eight months before, it would have been like half the price. Mm-hmm. So things are are increasing at astronomical rates and there's just certain things that you just have no control over. Um, and I think on one side... I totally understand that, you know, you pay for quality, you get what you pay for. On the flip side, 
there are people out there that simply cannot do it. There, it's just not a possibility because of their own personal budget. And for those people to be able to incorporate your products into their dog's diet, where do you suggest that they start? Mm-hmm. So you can modify pretty much anything. And one thing that I love about raw foods is a general rule. It's not a hundred percent of them, but with a lot of them, you've decreased the carbohydrate content so substantially that you can actually add a decent amount and still not have as high of carbs as you're doing with kibble. So with something like solutions, you could either for like a really active or really young pet that burns off carbs really quickly instead of, you know, letting them sit there and cause metabolic damage, you could add in like cooked oats and make the food a little bit bulkier or something like green juju where you can add a ton of that and it's low calorie and you're getting a lot more bulk or if you're making your own green smoothies things like that. Or on the other side, fat is really high in calories. So you could also increase the fat content. And anybody that wants to reach out, we're happy to help you figure out how much of a modification to add. But right now, like the way that solutions is formulated, it's one to one keto ratio, say you went to two to one keto ratio, and you're buying still a good quality coconut oil, but it is pretty inexpensive, you can usually pull down the price from there. Um, Alternatively, uh, there's a couple different ways to do this. So if you're doing partly kibble and partly raw, then some people will want to do them mixed together. Some want to do one at one meal, one at another meal. In my opinion, if you're doing a pelleted product like that, Carnivore is the best that you can do. But my preference, if somebody is doing something like that, say that you can afford to feed 50% of each. In the human world, if you want to go on a detox diet and clean up your system, what that does not look like is you eating not great and perfect breakfast and then eating great and perfect dinner. (laughs) What that looks like is an extended period of time of Uh, you know, restricted types of things, things that are helping to optimize health. So for me, my recommendation would be do two weeks of solutions and then do two weeks of the other product like Carnivore. And a a lot of times that will actually pull the budget price down by like 50%. So there's so many different things that you can do to fit into realistically just about any budget and still use products like ours. So I got the tech sauce and um, after speaking to you earlier, it's sitting on my counter with two teaspoons of, I think, phytosflora in it. And I'm, <laughs> I don't drink milk, so I'm not going to be able to taste it and decide if anything changed. So I'm just going to trust, mm-hmm. give it to my dogs tomorrow. And that's the first product. I feel like I bought something a long time ago, but I literally cannot remember. So I'm calling this the first product that I've tried. Um, what do you suggest as the second product that I go for? Uh, I really like the goat nog a lot. That one is like the ultimate vitamin, mineral, amino acid supplements, two of nature's perfect foods blended together. Um, I'm also a really big fan of the better butter tea because it has detox herbs in it. And who doesn't need that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Do you have a favorite product? Oh, geez. Um, like out of, can you choose? It's like Sophie's choice. Yeah. <laughs> Is your favorite out child? Every single thing that we have. Honestly, I actually think that my my favorite product for uniqueness is the immune powder. That product is just spectacular. It helps with systemic inflammation. It can help with different cancers. Like even if you have a really healthy pet doing that as an occasional rotation for immune support and just helping the body function better, I think is a good idea. And people can't order on your website but is there, are there other places? Cause I noticed, you know, when I was, um, posted the picture on my social media, so many people were coming out saying, well, we don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that there was one company is, was it raw pets mm-hmm. that were like, you can order it from us or there are other places where people can order it from. Yeah. So it's mostly through retailers and we are ever increasing the distribution there. So they, people can always look at the website to see where we do have distribution. If there isn't distribution in their area or a store close to them just hasn't brought it in yet, there are three different places that will do direct to consumer. So one is Raw Pets out of Florida. One is Wiggle Button Co. out of California. And then uh, the newest one is called Amora Grow. And that one, they have three different freezer warehouses in different states. And they're looking at primarily doing direct to consumer. Oh, did you say Wiggle Butt and Co? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I'll put links to these in the show notes. Okay. (laughs) That will be my favorite one to type. Exactly. (laughs) So, can I talk about Parsley Pet for a few minutes? So I am just like endlessly curious about like the trends of what you see. So this is the hair tissue mineral analysis, right? So people, do they kind of have to like shave their dog to send no, in a you just have to cut it. Cut it? Okay. At the back of the neck. Uh, I've never done it and I want to do it so bad. And I think it's going to be my uh, Christmas present to myself. I've done it twice and I'm actually... And I'm sorry to interrupt you because this is so, so horrible, but it just remembered. I haven't done it yet because it's still too raw for me. But right before Scout was diagnosed with lymphoma, his parsley pet test came back as a yellow, which has never happened. He was all my dogs were always in green. And for those of you guys who've never done it, you get green, which is you're good. Yellow, there's some concerning things. And then red is, wow, what the hell are you doing? Um, and so he had a yellow and I wonder if it has something to do, like if that was, um, like a, Hey, your dog has cancer. And so one day I'm going to go back and open the test and see where the deficiency was, because I think it could really be, um, beneficial information. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just curious, like, first of all, when you get a sample and like, can you tell like, without looking like, is this a raw fed dog or a kibble fed dog? Yes. And and what is like the difference in those? Uh, I I mean, don't, don't quote me, but as far as I can recall, I have never seen a toxicity level of a mineral in a raw fed dog. So there, there will definitely be deficiencies in um, DIY fed pets. A lot of times there's 
occasionally deficiencies in the commercially available raw fed pets. With the kibble fed pets, they're pretty much always going to have pretty high levels, often out of range of um, selenium, copper, zinc, iron, and manganese. And all of those things are really difficult to get in high enough levels in fresh foods. And so, uh, well, let me continue that really quick. So the primary reason for that is because the absorbability of them is so high that you don't really need a lot out of a natural food. And when we started making all of these high heat processed foods, the absorbability went way down. So there's a spot in the AFCO book where it actually says that the absorption rate of some of those minerals is somewhere between 10 and 90%. Like how, which That's one quite a range. <laughs> For people who can't see us, all three of us just stopped <laughs> and stared at each other like with a, what the F? <laughs> And yeah. I, I don't know what I was expecting you to say, but I, I mean, it's just good Lord. Yeah. So when people are formulating for a high heat processed food in order to assume that the absorption rate of that is going to be 10%, they'll usually put like 10 times higher the synthetic amount than what may or may not be necessary. We don't really know. And I've seen even higher than that. So iron is an example in dry matter, the requirement is 10 milligrams per kilogram. And in humans, 60 milligrams per kilogram is considered potentially lethal. And I have seen 1200 milligrams per kilogram in kibble before. So yeah. how much the dogs absorb of that? Who knows? Maybe all they got was 120 because it's really poor absorption. We don't know. So you'll see those kinds of things in kibble-fed pets. And then minerals and heavy metals really like each other. They bind to each other, but not across the board. So like selenium really likes mercury. Mercury is not necessarily a fan of most other minerals. Um, iron is a really big fan of um, arsenic and lead. So if the iron level is high, you're usually going to see elevated levels of arsenic and lead as well. So most of the time, unless there's some other confounding variable, you'll look at like the heavy metal report and then you look at the mineral part of it. And if there's those coinciding things, I don't have to look at an intake form to know that they're eating a kibble product and they probably got a contaminated batch. And sometimes that could be years ago. It could have been one meal a long time ago, but most of those things don't have a regulatory maximum, only a minimum. So even if your pet got really sick from that, who's going to know? And even if the food was tested, no one's going to get in trouble because they're not outside of a range because there is no range. So in your experience, what is it that they finally, I mean, they don't even really get in trouble. They just get sued. They pay out some money and they go along, you know, making business or making dog food as usual. But Cost to do business. Yeah, exactly. With hills and the toxic levels of vitamin D, it's one of those where does it have to be like, you know, 10,000 people screaming that my dog died for them to actually pay attention? Yes. <laughs> and vitamin D actually does have a minimum and maximum. And even though that one does have a range and it was easy to test that it was out of range, 
the time that that occurred was through lockdowns. And even though the FDA was out doing tests on raw foods for pathogens and not coming up with anything that is validated, what they were not doing is following up on the vitamin D thing. I get so disgusted when I get into I know. It's just like one of those where I, I, I'm looking at these people like, I know some of you guys have pets and you would not tolerate this for your pet. So why? Oh, I have no words. And so you're somebody that goes to the AFCO meetings, right? Yes. So what is that experience like? Because I that's <laughs> definitely not something I've ever done because it costs like $500 or something. It does cost 500 plus hotel and flight. So yeah, it ends up being really pricey. Um, it's... It's like a really boring horror movie. So you're like almost (laughs) falling asleep and then something is said or something happens where your mind just is exploded and you're horrified and your whole perception of everything in the world changes and then you go back to almost falling asleep. So most of the time when things are really meaningful and occurring, it's kind of between the lines. Like it's not um, the stuff that gets written down, but... um, a, a really good example of an AFCO experience. Um, we found out kind of on accident <laughs> that the way that most of the definitions are written is that a lobbyist comes along and says, hey, we want this to be the definition of this thing. And the the AFCO people on the panel, for the most part, look at it and go, yeah, looks good. And they just approve it. So with alfalfa, over the past couple of years, there was a whole lot of drama because there was one specific alfalfa producer that wanted to change the existing definition of sun-dried alfalfa to basically not involve the sun. (laughs) AFCO was going to approve that, and that would have put all of the other alfalfa suppliers out of business because they wouldn't be in adherence with that definition anymore. So there was like a literal attempt at a filibuster (laughs) and the guy got pretty much drug out by security. And then kind of fortunately, we ended up having lockdown. And then when they came back, those same people that got kicked out by security were very well put together in what their speech was on why that wasn't really acceptable. And it ended up not passing. But that's something that, like, where else would you learn that sun-cured alfalfa is not going to be sun-cured anymore because of one lobbyist? And that's just the way that it is. Yeah. Because I I feel for people who are just kind of learning about all of this for the first time and they start you know maybe they're still feeding kibble but they're they're trying to feed like a better kibble or like a good kibble and they're looking at these ingredients and and thinking like oh yeah that's sun-dried alfalfa that's you know great right like because you're seeing this picture of the farm on the front of the bag or whatever and and then yeah like nobody's actually going and looking up that oh when it says sun-dried alfalfa it doesn't actually have to even be in the sun (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I find on a lot of labels if you really look at them with a certain perspective you'll see that the claims that are on there are in regards to like you know we make sure that these animals are out on the farm and that's fantastic but what about the health of your pet like you shouldn't have to pick only 
the health of the animal that's in the food or the health of your pet. You should be able to get both. So they can be really tricky and making you feel like you're doing a great job because you're like, oh, look at all these great things that they do. But your your pet and the result of them consuming only that product for a long time is not necessarily taken into account as much. So when people are doing like parsley pet testing, is that like, uh, I don't know if you, you know this or not, like, are they mo- primarily doing it because their dog has a health issue or is it more just, I'm just curious? I'd say probably under 10% of people are doing it because they decided to do DIY and they want to validate that it's really? working, which I think is fantastic when people are willing to validate when there's no health issues, just to make sure that it's working, what they're doing is working. Um, the majority of them are definitely looking because there is a health problem and that's everything from, you know, allergies to seizures and kind of everything. That's so interesting. I would have thought it was absolutely flipped around because the world revolves around me and everyone's (laughs) doing what I'm doing (laughs) because that was my whole thing was, you know, I found a way to feed my dogs that was easy and I wanted to make sure it was right, that I was doing okay. And, and I was, um, and so that's what that's what I love about the parsley pet, and that's what I've always told people that it's for. And <laughs> it just never even occurred to me that, um, like, what can the a hair analysis test tell you about health? Um, well, that's a really broad answer. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it can tell you that if things are in range, obviously, then there's a lot of things that you can assume out of that. So one, you can assume that the intake is optimal. And two, you can assume that there's not any significant metabolic factors that are are inhibiting a problem. So uh, I'm just going to relate this to taurine really quickly because there's a lot of data on it. So (laughs) with the whole DCM thing, um, not enough analysis, but there was some analysis that was done by the FDA where they were looking at taurine levels and they, they were noticing that there's different levels in the serum than there is in the tissue. And there was not actually a correlation between high or low levels of taurine in in dogs with DCM versus ones that did not have DCM. So what you can really get out of that long story short (laughs) is that sometimes the body might be sufficient in something like taurine or, you know, insert name of micronutrient here. And it could be sequestering that particular micronutrient from one area of the body and transferring it to another area because there's more need or because there's actually a deficiency. So being able to just have more information so that you're able to get a bigger picture, a broader picture of what's going on with your pet is really ideal. So you can tell Uh, you know, if things are starting to go out of range, you can often tell why. Um, I was just explaining to Aaron before we got started, not too long ago, we had a parsley pet test with a pretty young dog who had really high levels of radioactive minerals. And I looked up on their intake form where they live and they're pretty close to a nuclear reactor. And I researched that in the year before that thing had a leak. 
So the dog did not indicate very many symptoms of exposure to radioactive materials, but it's probably something that they want to start working on detox now and possibly test their family as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kozier told me about a dog that came back with high levels. I think it was copper or I don't know what it was, but basically she looked up where the dog lived and they lived near a battery factory. (laughs) And so, and it's, it's interesting because gosh, you don't think about the fact that these things that are in enclosed spaces are still leaching into our soil and and our environment and impacting us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say that our dogs are like canaries in the coal mine. Yeah. In some cases. And, you know, so that's, wow. Well, I was just curious, is there ever a time when you're like, uh, whether it's a single instance or a trend or something that you see, like, is there a trend between dogs that have allergies and they're low in something or low in something they shouldn't be low in or high in something, you know, they shouldn't be high in or like, have you ever found a correlation with like a health issue and like a noticeable uh, trend over time in, in some kind of imbalance. Yeah, I, that's actually the whole reason why I wanted to participate in anything Parsley Pet to begin with, <laughs> was just so that I could analyze all of that stuff and be really nerdy. And there have been some things that I am like, wow, that definitely looks like a trend. And then I really look closely and it's not. So um, elevated calcium and phosphorus levels. I have seen on a lot of reports for dogs that have allergies and sebaceous cysts and things like that. But if I look really close, it's probably not a primary factor of why they're having issues. Um, I was recently looking at a report that had high rubidium and that is something that is in the soil and that pushes up potassium levels. Um, I've found high potassium and high sodium levels to link pretty consistently with bloody diarrhea. Um, You know, there's definitely some things that you can assume that there are certain trends on selenium. I'd say probably 80% of the time, uh, elevated selenium levels will also coincide with elevated mercury levels. So, um, one of my old, my old girls that's passed on now, Kalua, she was our, so I, I've always had rescued pit bulls and, and Kalua was our, uh, CCL tear girl. So Penny's like my allergy girl, um, that pit bulls have a lot of allergies and, and Kalua was our, our CCL tear girl. And somebody once told me that there's a correlation between that and like lack of manganese in the diet and Kalua and my, my first two dogs were, were kibble fed probably up until about the last two years of their lives. Cause that was when I had finally had the money to <laughs> switch over, um, to, to feeding raw. And so like, that's something that like, uh, I, I try to do like elk velvet antler with our, especially our two now as they're getting older. Cause I'm like so terrified that we're going to have another CCL tear. <laughs> Well, that may or may not be true, but um, manganese is one of those things that is very, very low in natural fresh foods. So if you're not supplementing with it, then it's pretty difficult to get high into range. But I have yet to see a single dog, like no matter what they're fed, that's not low in manganese. 
Wow. And I've never heard of any specific issues associated with that. Oh, interesting. So one, did you choose pork, chicken, and beef because of warming, cooling, and neutral? Or was there another reason? Um, chicken is actually the m- most popular flavor, and I know a lot of people like to use it. Beef, I really like as an option for being able to really uh, track down easily who is using a regenerative farm and like the best sourcing for that. And also it's easiest to do a ketogenic diet with beef and pork and pork. In my experience, that's always my favorite one. I I think a lot of people have an aversion to pork because they're worried about parasites and worms and all the things. But, um, historically that's what I use most often for pets that are really struggling with health problems. And I find it to be one of the most hypoallergenic and the easiest to provide and the, one of the most affordable things that you can do for pets with just a variety of different issues. And, uh, you know, considering the potential of doing a little bit more of an exotic meat, which I'm sure that we'll do at some point, there's so many options (laughs) and we want to really optimize whatever that is when we come out with it. So I didn't want to just like jump into that and pork kind of serves that purpose for now. Yeah. Pork is a big part of my dog's diet. Mm -hmm. My dog Nino goes crazy for pork. Like any time that we have pork, like he comes running in like, Oh my God, is that for me? (laughs) Very excited. So I am definitely very excited about the pork. Yeah, me too. It's my favorite one. Why did you use um, duck eggs instead of chicken eggs in the nog? Yeah, actually. So chicken is also a really, really common allergen. So even though it's the most commonly used protein for pets, it's also the most commonly uh, allergy inducing (laughs) ingredients. So we really only wanted to isolate chicken products with chicken products. So there's chicken eggs in the chicken diet and then duck eggs in the beef and the pork diet and duck eggs in the nog. In my experience, I would say only maybe 15% of dogs that are allergic to chicken products are allergic to all poultry. So it tends to still be really hypoallergenic, even if there is a chicken allergy. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered when it comes to chicken sensitivities, how much of it has to do with the sourcing of the chicken. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I found is that with my dogs, like when I was new to raw feeding and actually going into DIY, I sourced everything from the grocery store, which is going to be factory farmed. And um, it didn't take long for my dogs to just like their whole systems to wig out. But when I would buy um, chicken products from local farms where they did everything, you know, the chickens were outside, they were well fed, well taken care of, my dogs could tolerate it a lot better. Um, Mm -hmm. And have you ever or had any experience like looking into why chicken is such a, I mean, I know there's that, but then there's also the idea that chicken seems to be an ingredient in every single thing that people make for dogs. It's just insane. Well, I have the same theory. I mean, if you are what you eat and the chickens are eating primarily pesticide-ridden GMO corn, wheat, and soy, and those are common allergens, then why wouldn't they have a negative response to the egg protein as well or, you know, anything to do with the protein? My other theory is chicken ingredients are really commonly used in vaccines, 
Yeah, and right. you know the purpose of a vaccine is to teach the body to have a really extreme reaction to anything that's in that because it might be a life-threatening emergency. So in theory, we could be teaching their systems to be overly responsive to chicken products. I posted on social media that we were going to be interviewing you and I was mm-hmm. hoping to get some questions, but um, I already had questions. And so it was just like, there you go. <laughs> you guys saw me grab my phone. I did do a, an effort to look for questions and I just didn't see any. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm selfish. So like, uh, like Kimberly said, like, it's so incredibly impressive how much you've done in such a short time. I mean, both with solutions and also like in your life. <laughs> and uh, so, so what is in the future? Like what's coming down the pike for us? Uh, well, there are definitely a lot more things that we would like to put out with solutions. We recognize though, that we have a really abnormally large lineup for a new company. So we're going to be pretty meticulous with those things. Um, the main thing that I'm really excited about is working with Natasha Lilly and Steve Brown and Erica Gibbs on the Rhizobiotics project. Right now we have all of the, the stuff that we're trying to do in shelf stability trials. And we're learning so much really cool stuff about the interaction of this basically dirt supplement in tandem with our products. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. And also the potential of using uh, their soil knowledge to even further uh, expand that into even more optimization of the regenerative farm concept and hopefully even helping some additional farmers move more and more into that. I mean, ultimately, wouldn't it be the perfect world if we're able to do everything right? And rather than people being like, well, they might do it right, but it's so expensive, it's not realistic. And instead, they're like, wow, I didn't know that you could do it right and mm-hmm. still actually have it be successful. Now I want to do it too. Yeah. So we have that's to have that influence. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, that whole collaboration over competition. It's just, you know, so many people come into this space because of the love of a the dog. They had a sick dog um, and they had to figure it out for themselves because the veterinarian didn't know what to do. And that led them to start a supplement company or start a food company or start a treat company. And at some or point- a podcast. Time, yeah, you know, at some point in time, um, on that journey, something a, a switch flips, and it goes from "Oh my God, kumbaya! Look at all of us here loving animals and creating these great things." To "Who the hell are you? You're taking away my customers." And I, I wish that people understood that. I don't think that there is a pet parent on the planet that is loyal to one company. And if I could be loyal to 10 companies who are all focused on regenerative farming and, you know, getting the best nutrients or the best foods. And, you know, when I was going through all your ingredients, one thing I noticed that you didn't use is spinach. And I just recently learned how toxic spinach is. And someone actually sent me a message probably a year ago telling me, um, you should never feed your dog spinach. People shouldn't even eat spinach because of all of the 
toxins used in the growing of spinach. And I had, and they were like, if you're going to use spinach, you need to just grow it yourself. And I asked them for more information and they got mad at me. <laughs> and, and I was just like, no, I really want to know. Can you send me, you know, the information that you're reading? Cause I've, I've never heard of this. And it came up again recently at an, a conference that I was at was, you know, spinach. And so you have kale, you have parsley, but no spinach. And that's kind of exciting to me because I'm starting to learn all of these things that I didn't know before, but it feels like solutions is so ahead of the game. And you guys are set out to really um, be leaders. And I so hope that people start following your lead and seeing, oh, okay, I can and do this. And even if they don't change their entire process today, if they can just start offering something new, it would just be so amazing because, you know, for those of us who don't have access to your products or can't quickly get to it, you know, the stores aren't ready to um, bring it in, you know, it would be nice to be able to have just that variety. So speaking of stores, when are you going to take over the country and be in all of our independent pet stores from (laughs) coast to coast? You know, with Heroes, for years, I've had people asking me to, you know, expand it, have more locations. I actually have had a lot of customers over the years that have even said, I will pay for everything for you to have a store in another location. You just have to have it also. Wow. Location. And like, as flattering as that is, my number one focus on, on, the way that I function with the customers, with the community, like education is so important. And just as an example, the manager of Heroes Pets, John, um, he worked at um, a chain of stores. (laughs) He, He managed that for 10 years prior to coming to work with Heroes Pets. And he always says that it took him like a year to feel really confident with his knowledge at Heroes. And it's just because it's so information intensive. And I don't know how to expand that into more retail stores. (laughs) So I've tried a couple of times just in the sense of like, okay, if we build all of these tools, then we won't have to be face to face for an entire year to get you to the point of education that I think is really important for all the people coming in. And I just haven't quite figured that out yet. And I know how important it is. And so that's part of the value of branching out into these other things, like having solutions does give an opportunity for me to teach other stores who are managing themselves, <laughs> how to do that education for their people. And I can participate that and give them a reason why they want to listen. So I can't even tell you how excited I am to be able to interact with all of these other stores and be like, let me teach you how to do this in a really effective and awesome way and, and go home at night and sleep really well because you feel so good about yeah. the impact that you're having. Yeah. That's the best we can do until we can clone you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm also working with Barbara Royal and CIVT, the Center Center for Integrative uh, Veterinarians. Veterinarians. Thank you. (laughs) It's late. Um, And I am contributing to their curriculum as well. And so, you know, I try to branch out in all the different ways that I can reach people. And 
nothing's ever worked as well at being able to reach people and have them interact as solutions has. So I'm so excited to be able to do that. We're excited too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try really hard to wait until um, December, the first Wednesday of December to go and buy more solutions. I, I have a method to my madness, but it's going to be really hard because already I want the nog, I want the tea and I want the cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might just go get it tomorrow. I mean, what the hey? You know, I've heard from people that they've been feeding the food for a while now and they're just very happy with it. I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about solutions and that's such a, a great way to get started. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just really excited a- about it. You know, um, I just, I hope that people listening to this recognize that, you know, this is really something that, you know, I love the name solutions because you don't think about why someone named a company until all of a sudden you're talking about it and you use the name of the company just in a regular sentence. Cause I was telling someone, you know, cause this is going to be the solution to say, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's exactly why. Yeah. Actually, um, you know, with heroes, we were going through the stint of, you know, trying to transfer people onto different products from some a line that we had kicked out. <laughs> and, you know, everybody that came in, they were like, well, what do we do? And I had like two months where I was like, well, we're working on solutions. And I was like, oh, heck, I just say it 50 million times a day. I should just call the company that. <laughs> it's just, it's really kind of amazing because yeah, it was, it was fun to, to post something and just see comment after comment after comment of people who are so either excited about giving it to their dogs, their dogs are doing so great on it, to people who just can't wait to get their hands on it and they're just super excited. And even more are the number of people who um, are happy to make sacrifices themselves so that they can incorporate your products in rotation with their dog's diet because they believe in the brand so much. And I think that that says so much about, you know, everyone that's behind the brand. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely appreciate that people are willing to make sacrifices to be able to support their pets. And I, I definitely hope that another peace of mind that they get out of feeding it and supporting the company is really just knowing that, every purchase they that they make they're also purchasing you know what's good in the world like mm-hmm. vote with your dollar right yeah. <laughs> and you're supporting all of these incredible incredible people that have all this knowledge and ability and for me you know i view it as this way to contribute to how i hope that the world will be as opposed to like, uh, well, you know, for the most part, it's probably not that bad because we're a small company. It doesn't matter how small you are. Like everybody's contributing to either bettering or worsening the world. And I hope that everybody can feel really good knowing that they're making that contribution as well. And also you're, you're setting the bar pretty high by not making sacrifices, you know, with the quality because it's so easy to, um, say, and this is said with no judgment because I don't own a business so, or I don't own a dog food business, so I can't possibly know what goes into everything. But the fact that, you know, you have worked really hard to make sure that all of the ingredients are of the highest quality, whereas some people will find themselves cutting corners because the costs become too high or um, it's just not convenient for them to to formulate in a certain way. 
And, and I get it, you know, but after having lost two dogs to cancer in the past two years, it really changes how you look at things. So how I look at synthetic vitamins, I mean, I won't feed a food that's all synthetic, but if a food has a few synthetic vitamins in it, it really has never been an issue to me until now. Now it's just sort of like over the years, what is that going to do to my dog's health? It may be fine today, but 10 years from now, what what is my dog going to look like? And going with the ingredients like spinach, for example. And, and it's so easy for me to say that, well, I don't, my dogs don't get enough for it to be that big of a problem. But wouldn't it be just amazing to just have it not be a problem whatsoever? Mm-hmm. I mean, why do we have to constantly make sacrifices because no one else, you know, is willing to take the lead? And so mm-hmm. I just appreciate that you guys are are basically showing us how we can do things better. Yeah. And definitely solutions is not at all the only company that does this. There are plenty of really good companies out there, but I always really value when a company is a bad business owner in the way that I am, (laughs) which is that I am constantly talking people out of using certain things. And like the majority of our supplements, the intention of them is for short-term use. Like you're supposed to be using them to try and help your pet get on top of a problem that is hopefully acute because you are addressing the root cause with food or with whatever else that you need. So, you know, I could easily be like, yeah, use allergies forever because it's profitable for me. But realistically, like that is not the best way to create a solution (laughs) for your pet. The best way is consider all of the potential reasons why there are allergies, address those things, and maybe in the the meantime, use this product as a support for helping them get through that time. So I love the idea of rotation. I love the idea of just having all of these little support things here and there. I love all of the information and knowledge that's out there and I think it really comes down to just meeting everybody's individual goals. I'm going to make sure that we have a link in the show notes to the Heroes website, because even for everyone who's not in Colorado, uh, you know, I like that you have a list of all of the products that, you know, and the companies that are, you know, that you sell, because I think that could be a really good resource for people who are wondering like, oh, I, you know, somebody recommended this to me. Is this good? Like, I, I trust the research that you do and the fact that you'll get rid of, you know, a product line if it no longer meets your standards. And, and so I think that could be a great, a great resource. I, for people. I love that about pet store owners. We have a, a local pet store, Jules Animal House, um, the owner, Julie is like that too. She has a table of shame in the store. And if I go into her store and find all of a brand sitting on that table, I know they did something horrible and she doesn't want anything to do with them. (laughs) And so it's like, um, I've made a lot of judgments about what I will buy because of that table of shame. I mean, and it says, it says everything. I mean, you don't even have to have a conversation with her. We trust that she's making this choice. And I just so appreciate the fact that because um, not all pet store owners are equipped to do this. You know, it's a lot of work what you do, going to AFCO meetings, researching all of these things. And she stays on top 
of what um, the brands are doing. And if they make a change in their ingredients that she's like, I'm not down with that, they go onto the table of shame. Yeah, that's a great idea, the table of shame. I've kicked out about 50 companies over the years, and I've, I've never had a table of shame. It probably <laughs> would have been a lot easier uh, if I did. But, you know, the first time that you do something like that, it's actually pretty terrifying because as a business owner, you're like, oh, what am I doing? But the more you do it, the more people trust you and start to recognize that you're you're doing it for their own benefit. Yeah. I mean, and it's true. And I think I also know, you know, Lauren Grow, she's retired now and sold her pet store, but she was in Redlands, California. She was always very, I mean, I would walk the Super Sue floor with her. I mean, that was how I got content was just watching her ask people questions because she was not afraid to ask the tough questions. If they weren't prepared to answer, she would be like, well, I'll wait until you find someone who can answer this question. And if someone wasn't there, she'd look at her watch and be like, so when will they be here? Because I can be back. I mean, she was getting her answer. And um, she was so tough on one brand that they took themselves out of her store. And I thought it was the letter that they sent to her was hilarious. And um, it it created a lot of content for me. But um, but it was just like, you know, I gained so much respect because I don't know about you, Aaron, but it's just sort of like, because we love dogs, wouldn't it be fun to own a pet store? You know what I mean? But then when you actually meet people who are passionate about that, it's not just owning a pet store and selling products, but it's so much more. Yeah. That it's just like, I'm tired just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I guess one you know final question for me, because I know people are going to be asking this if they aren't already. Do you see a time when you'll be selling products through your site direct to customers? Uh, we have sold some products direct to consumer out of state, like some of the solutions products. We do sell all the other things uh, out of Colorado. But we're not really set up for being able to get good shipping. Like right now, in large part, just the mail carriers in Colorado, they're like, yeah, it'll be there in two days. And then doesn't even leave the warehouse for seven. So it's very much my preference to put people in touch with somebody that is set up to do that and make sure that the product gets there in a reasonable time and in the best condition possible. So Sure. If there's no other choice, then I will do everything that I can to get it to you. But I would rather redirect people to get solutions in other places unless they're coming into Heroes. Okay. My last question. (laughs) What is your dog mom life? Who are your dogs or cats? (laughs) Yeah. um, I have an American Staffordshire Terrier named Tika. She's probably (laughs) about six years old. She's a rescue. And a miniature Australian shepherd named Maisie. And a cat, a tuxedo cat, who (laughs) she's got the biggest, roundest eyes in the world. And she always looks like her collar is too tight. (laughs) It's hilarious. Her name is Poe. Poe Bear Sparkle because I have a kid. And then I have a tortoise named Brahma and a chinchilla named Everest. Oh, wow. <laughs> a little bit of a zoo. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. I've fostered about 40 dogs over the years. And like, as I've gotten older, I am like, well, I'm going to simplify and do fewer dogs. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I'm sorry. I have one more question. Now that you did the pet summit, do you foresee yourself starting to do um, lives to start educating people about nutrition? Yes. Roxanne and I have a plan for doing lives. Uh, Neither of us are super technologically savvy. So we're going to have to ask for a bit of patience on that. But we recognize the value of putting out the content and especially for the people that do really want to do the deep dives into the more sciencey nerdy things. Like we just geek out on all of that stuff. So we want to be able to provide that to people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Over there. I mean, I I love it too, but eventually I'm just like, okay, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the one where I'm like, okay, let me tell you a page number on this 500 page long book that nobody reads. Like, it's fantastic. (laughs) The two of you are peas in a pod because um, when we first started this podcast, there was a study that I heard of that people were referencing and I was so aggravated about it because it was from 2013 and I was convinced that it wasn't a really good study, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I said, Aaron, and like literally hours later, I got an email with a link to the study and everything. And she had already read it. And, <laughs> and I had like the stack of references and I was telling her this is what they're missing. Yes, exactly. She had got, I mean, it was just like, okay, awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a high level person and she's a dive into the trenches person. So together <laughs> we kind of even each other out. So right. There needs to be people like you out there because the rest of us, it's like, it, it gets exhausting because it's so much. Yeah. One time Karen Becker asked me to give my opinion of the top 12, like worst pet food ingredients. And she's like, knowing me as short as possible, like one sentence max on each <laughs> one of them. So I did that. And then I had like a page and a half of references. To the <laughs> she was like, you, I have so many people and you were the only person that gave me references. <laughs> like, yeah, you know me. <laughs> it warms my heart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I get to do medical research as part of my job. So, you know, it's been fun, fun for me because that's who I am to be able to turn that on to my hobbies as well. Yeah, (laughs) it's awesome. (laughs) Chelsea, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Until next time. See you guys later. 